0: Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com.
1: I like to add value to people. I like to just listen and try to figure out what are their needs and try to connect them with someone that can satisfy that need.
2: Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial
1: real
0: estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff.
2: Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Luis Villar Carasquillo. Luis is joining us from West Palm Beach, Florida. Luis is a mechanical engineer who joined a group focused on acquiring apartment buildings through syndications and joint ventures. His current portfolio consists of being a GP on six properties that also has 176 stores. Luis, thank you so much for joining us today, and how are you?
1: Thank you so much for the invite. I'm fantastic. How are you doing?
2: I'm very well. Thanks for asking. Before we get started, can you give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
1: Sure. So first of all, like I said, thank you for having me. Yeah, my background, like you said, I have a mechanical engineering background. I am Puerto Rican, so I went to school in Puerto Rico. I did my bachelor there, moved to United States in 2014 to start my career as an engineer. And a few years after, I came across the term house hacking, and that's what put the idea of real estate in my head. And I just roll with it. And here I am five years after.
2: Luis, in my experience, engineers make some of the best real estate investors because you apply processes to everything. Great. Let's go back to your first house hack. What was that like? What did you learn and what processes did you apply? And did you end up scaling that and doing numerous house hacks?
1: So that's very interesting that you just said that engineers make great investors because that's what I learned during Dow's house hack was basically the importance of having systems in place for your business. Because if not, things can get difficult. And to be honest, being the first investment that I had, no systems, basically nothing in place. so I was just scrambling all the time, but From there, I felt that I I was spinning my wheels, not finding anything, being in South Florida, super competitive market. So from there, I realized I wanted to actually go bigger and multifamily and decided to join a couple of groups and met my partners and, and just went from there. After I met my partners, we bought 14 units a year after.
2: Hey, man, you make that sound easy. Tell me the story. Listen. Tell me the struggles. Up. Tell me the story. How did you meet your partners?
1: So my partners, I met them through a mastermind, and actually, it's very interesting because just networking, networking with people from the mastermind. I remember having a conversation with one of my partners, and he mentioned that he was interested in mobile home parks. I told him that I had a audio course for mobile home parks. I send it to him at value for free, nothing in exchange. So I send it to him. He introduced me to his other partner, which is Puerto Rican as well. And we just clicked it from there. They asked me to do an underwriting for them. They liked the way I owned the property. And yeah, like I said, we went from there.
2: What are the strong suits or the backgrounds of your partners?
1: Interestingly, they're engineers as well, but... Particularly, we have different sets of skills. One of my partners, Myron McNeil, he is in charge of all the finances of the company, he deals with all the distributions. My other partner, Duomel, he is in charge of making all the contacts with brokers, with owners' negotiations. My other partner, Shad, is in charge of all the construction management, and I do all the KPIs. I do all the market analysis, underwriting, property analysis, and all that fun stuff with numbers.
2: Luis, a lot of times partnerships are born out of necessity. Somebody gets inundated, and they just need help. They need partners. Did you get your partners that way, or did you set out from the beginning Saying, okay, I want to scale this company. I can't do it alone. I want partners.
1: Actually, it was out of necessity in the first place because I was just looking for deals. Like I said, I was just spinning my wheels trying to find deals here in South Florida and I was just not finding anything. And they had the deals, but needed an underwriter. So it was a mutually beneficial relationship.
2: And today, do you raise capital?
1: Yes, we do everything from sourcing, we raise capital, we are actually transitioning to vertically integrated, so we're managing our properties, so we're doing everything right now.
2: All right, so back to the beginning, you said Florida is very competitive. Mm -hmm. How did you overcome the competition?
1: So right now, we are actually investing outside Florida, for the most part, in Georgia, and specifically in secondary and tertiary markets. And that's how we are taking advantage of those markets and going around the competition.
2: I'm with you. So instead of fighting the competition, you escape. Some of the suburbs of Atlanta and the secondary, tertiary markets are on fire. Yes. And they're underrated. Mm-hmm. So best ever listeners start looking at those markets that have not had their boom yet, right? So Austin, Phoenix area, Miami. They've boomed, man. How much is left on the bone there, right? So let's start looking at those overlooked markets. I love that. This total side question, Luis, is Puerto Rico is on fire with real estate, Mm -hmm. tech companies, crypto. Did you ever think about investing in real estate there?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Every time I go to visit my family, I drive around and see so many opportunities, right? But right now we're focused on those markets that I mentioned. But eventually, yes, eventually the idea is to expand to Puerto Rico. And like you said, it's on fire with short-term rentals, midterms, long terms, everything.
2: Even car rentals. Yes. It's cheaper to buy a car and leave it there than it is to rent it for a few weeks.
1: Yep. 100%. That's crazy.
2: Yep. So Luis, let's go back to the evolution of your deals. After you started house hacking, what was your first multifamily purchase?
1: So my first multifamily purchase came three years after. And we bought a mixed-use property 45 minutes north from Orlando with four commercial spaces and 10 apartment units. And that was a joint venture.
2: Okay, so that is way outside of normal comfort zone for... Yes. People that do fix and flips. So 10 apartments and four commercial units. Was it fully occupied?
1: Yes. From the very beginning, it was fully occupied.
2: What attracted you to that building?
1: So what attracted us to that building was the stability of the city itself. It's a very quiet city, very stable, not a huge influx on population, but not a huge decrease on population either. Very stable. And the fact that those businesses have been there for a very long time, it was an indication that it was a stable asset. So that's what we liked about that one.
2: Luis, how old was that building?
1: Oh man, that building, if I'm not wrong, it's 1970, if I'm not wrong.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of great deals on mixed use buildings because the commercial people don't want them. The residential people don't want them. They Mm -hmm. fall between the cracks. Was it hard to get financing for that?
1: It was not that hard. It was local community banks.
2: Yeah, those are the only ones that finance them, typically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Most lenders hate mixed-use buildings because they they don't fall under any category. What types of businesses were in there?
1: We have a restaurant, a barbershop, and one cleaning company.
2: And you said there were four commercial spots. Does one yes, of them Yes, so the cleaning two?
1: company used two spots.
2: Okay. And is it a residential cleaning company?
1: Yes. And Co- residential and commercial, yes. Okay. Both.
2: And this is probably in like a dense neighborhood type area?
1: So, yes, it's in the heart of the city. Like I said, it's a very small city. Not a huge population, but yes, it's in downtown.
2: Do you remember the numbers on that deal? Purchase price?
1: Purchase price was 765 if I'm not wrong.
2: And did you have to renovate anything?
1: Barely. We barely renovate anything on the residential units. So light renovations and straight to market rents.
2: What was the rent per apartment when you bought it?
1: If I'm not wrong, they were around 555 around that number. So right mm-hmm. now we're around 760 something.
2: So $200 per apartment times yes. 10, that's $2,000 a month in increased mm-hmm. NOI. Yes. That's a big deal. Were the commercial rents at market or were they below too?
1: They were slightly below. We were not trying to push them too hard. We didn't want to vacate those spaces. So we didn't push those rents too hard.
2: Have you done more mixed use since this building?
1: Yes. We just acquired another property In Georgia, this is a 56 units with 52 storage units. The storage units are not live yet, but we're working the CAPEX to make them available.
2: So you bought multi-unit property and was there just land for building self-storage?
1: The storage was there already.
2: But it's not being rented?
1: It's not functional.
2: Why not? Just not completed?
1: The previous owner just unfortunately didn't didn't maintain it. So it was a huge benefit for us because we bought the property based on the 56, not 56, and 52. So we got a great deal for that property.
2: And this, you should be able to add a ton of NOL to this one. Can we dive into the numbers on that? Sure. What was the purchase price?
1: $3.65
2: And what were the apartments rented for? Are they below market rent?
1: Oh yeah, they were below market. They were around 765. Right now we're pushing for, actually, sorry, let me go back a little bit. They were around 625. Right now we're pushing for the one ones for 795 and the two ones for 895.
2: And then the storage units, what will they average rent for? each
1: the ones that were rented were around $35 and market it's 125
2: so some of them were rented when you bought the property some of
1: them yeah maybe 10 if i'm not wrong
2: okay so you're going to add another
0: $4000
2: yes
1: uh, we're very excited way. for these storage units
0: i'm excited for you we'll get back to the show with first some sponsors i'm confident you'll find value in learning more about Everyone is looking for a recession-resilient investment. How can you try to prevent from losing money by picking the wrong fund and sponsor? Right now, you can get Reliant Real Estate Management's free guide, 10 Things to Consider in a Real Estate Investment Fund, by visiting besteverreliant.com. Answer questions like, is the organization's focus on you? And does the fund keep employees? Reliant Real Estate Management is ranked one of the top 20 largest self-storage operators in the country with one billion dollars in self-storage assets after completing three funds and selling 38 properties with $0 of investor principal loss. They have an average project level IRR of 33% in just over 3.5 years. Visit besteverreliant.com right now to receive the 10 things to consider in a real estate investment fund and get access to the latest investment opportunities. That's besteverreliant.com, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R-R-E-L-I-A-N-T.com. How'd you find this deal?
1: This was found through cold calling, direct to seller.
0: Good for you.
1: Yes.
2: Was there a particular list or just apartment owners?
1: I'm not sure on that one. I'll have to go back and get back to you. But yeah, direct seller.
2: Luis, it seems like every apartment owner gets phone calls, texts, mailers Mm -mm. about selling their apartment. You probably were not the first one to hit this owner up. How Mm -hmm. did you get the deal done? What was it about I, you guys?
1: I think what makes the difference with us is the persistence for once and two, the knowledge of the market. We taken that market very seriously. Like you said, not everybody is looking on those markets and we're just diving in. Actually, we just bought two more properties on that specific market.
2: Tell me their home runs like these two.
1: Oh, this one, I'm very excited <laughs> for this one because one is a JV 14 units and we bought for 55000 a door and we appreciate stabilized, of course, 90000 So we're super excited for that one. That's a 14 unit, like I said, and this other one is a 32 unit. That one needs a little bit more work, but it's going to be another great deal.
2: 14 units. What are the rents right now?
1: Four eighty-five
2: and what's market rent?
1: We're benchmarking with the previous property that I mentioned so we're going to shoot for 795 the one bedroom and 895 the two bedrooms.
2: Do you have to do renovations to achieve that?
1: Light renovations, yep.
2: And what does light renovations mean?
1: A kitchen and bathroom for the most part.
2: Is it just painting cabinets or replacing them?
1: For the most part, we're just painting cabinets, not replacing. We don't feel that replacing the cabinets is needed in this market. We're getting great rents with just painting the cabinets.
2: Countertops, appliances, they stay as is?
1: Yes, for the most part, yes.
2: Okay, do you have to do flooring?
1: We do flooring, yes, we do flooring.
2: What do you do in the bathrooms?
1: We're doing the vanity for the most part, just vanity and resurface of the top perfect yes so we're spending around ten thousand dollars per unit on the ones that need a lot between five thousand and the ones that don't need much work
2: is your plan to sell these once you have the rents increased
1: so we are planning to refi hopefully the market stabilizes a little bit but we're planning to hold them for five to seven years some of them are syndications so we owe to the investors
2: well, if you could sell early and return a lot of capital to investors, why not do that?
1: I agree, especially in this market, right? If we can continue getting properties, yeah, why not?
2: Okay, so it's up in the air. It's not. Yes, at this okay, point. Good. Yes. good. Yeah. Did you find these by going direct to seller as well?
1: Yes, direct-to-seller and actually broker relationships. These last two that I mentioned, the 14 units and the 32, they were broker relationships.
2: Okay. And what type of return do your investors get?
1: So on the syndications, we offer 7% PREF. It's 70-30 split. And we're expecting between 12% cash-in-cash cash and around 15 IRR.
2: And how much did you raise for these deals?
1: So, we are raising around three million for, for the bigger ones. For the JVs, we do it ourselves, but for the syndications, around three million.
2: What type of debt do you have on these syndications?
1: We have bridge right now. We are doing bridge debt.
2: For how long? How many years is that?
1: Two years with one year extension as option.
2: Is that a paid extension?
1: Yes, correct. Yeah.
2: Okay. And then after that, it resets to market rates.
1: Correct. The idea will be to refi, of course, before year two.
2: In your pro did you bank on increased interest rates?
1: Oh, definitely, yes. Okay. Yeah, I like to be conservative on interest rates and cap rates as well.
2: Your exit cap rate in your pro forma, what is that?
1: We are looking at six twenty-five, six thirty-five. We don't okay. want to be too aggressive on those cap rates.
2: Good. So back to the mixed-use building, do you still try to find those anomaly deals that nobody else really wants?
1: Definitely. Why not? They're hidden gems. That mixed-use, it's performing at year three pro forma and we just had it for a year and a half. We've been looking for the entire year, trying to refi and just cash out. But unfortunately, we need to season it a little bit more.
2: Why? Have you tried multiple lenders?
1: Yeah, we've been trying to contact multiple lenders and nobody want to refi right now.
2: So with mixed-use buildings, there's no agency debt. They're typically not sold on secondary markets. Mm -hmm. So whichever bank you have the loan through is going to hold that note for the life of the loan, Mm -hmm. which is why it's very important to build partnerships with your lenders, right? Mm -hmm. So have you approached other lenders and maybe giving them the opportunity to refi other properties as well?
1: No, not specifically other properties. We're just trying to do that one separately. Yeah, or the-
2: or, or, or maybe tell them on the next deal, mm-hmm. you'll give them the primary opportunity to get the loan if they can okay. refi this mixed-use property, right? Because okay. the way you guys are on fire, I think a lot of lenders will want to become partners with you.
1: I agree, Yeah. Yeah.
2: So keep trying. Mixed use is very, very difficult. Banks just don't like them. Mm-hmm. So just keep trying until you find that right lender.
1: Yeah, we will. Like I say we've been looking, but just no luck yet.
2: Back to the engineering. Mm-hmm. What systems do you have in place to scale?
1: As an engineer? Huh. Very interesting question. Well, to be completely honest with you, Ash, I'm using engineering as a stepping stone to continue growing my real estate career.
2: So let me rephrase that question. Okay. You, you have an analytical mind. Okay. And when you're doing real estate, mm-hmm. you're in the back of your mind, always thinking processes and systems.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yes.
2: So in your real estate, what processes have you put in and what systems have you put in that have helped you?
1: Oh okay I see what you're saying. So we've put uh systems to like I said track the KPIs. We've created basically our own deriving tool just to see what exactly we need. Things like that mostly related to excel. What? But uh, per- top of my head I just can't think of one right now.
2: What performance indicators do you track?
1: So we are tracking vacant units, physical occupancy, Economic occupancy, we're tracking the NOI, we're tracking cost of maintenance, we're tracking, of course, rental income and expenses.
2: How often do you communicate with investors?
1: On a monthly basis.
2: And do you provide financials every month? We do do
1: it quarterly.
2: Do you share KPIs with them?
1: No, not yet. Because we just got these properties Once we start sending those quarterly reports, yes. But we got them three, four months ago.
2: Luis, what's the hardest lesson you've learned in real estate so far?
1: The hardest lesson? I will say keep your criteria very close to your heart. Always. When you deviate from your criteria, it's when you start making mistakes and a story, when I was starting to invest in multifamily, I was so eager to get into a deal that we basically waived all our criterias. And unfortunately, we lost money. So that's the lesson I learned. Keep my criteria very close to my heart.
2: What was the criteria that burned you?
1: We waived all the contingencies, inspection contingencies, financial contingencies, beginning of COVID, everybody was waiving everything. So we did the same thing. And I learned that it's not worth it. It's better to have no deal than a bad deal. So
2: yeah, it just seems with multifamily, there's so much money chasing Mm -hmm. deals.
1: Yes. And
2: some of them don't work because the people buying them just need to park money or deploy Mm -hmm. capital. It's hard to compete against that.
1: Mm -hmm. And this was on a primary market. This was in Tampa. So Beginning of COVID, everybody was going crazy in this market, and it was very hard to compete because we're trying to get into a property, did all those steps, and it burned us.
2: And how do you market for investors?
1: So we do friends and family, just picking up the phone, newsletters, sending emails. That's what we do.
2: The newsletter, is it all business or is it somewhat personal too?
1: I do A mix of both, as well as my partners. I've seen a lot of people just doing business, but I like to introduce a little bit of the personal touch.
2: I agree with you. I think it's very important that you put yourself out there so people can get to know you and get to like you and get to trust you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good for you, man. Luis, give me your best real estate investing advice ever.
1: Best real estate advice ever. I would say network you never know who you're talking to. And one of the things that I like about networking is that I like to add value to people. I like to just listen and try to figure out what are their needs and try to connect them with someone that can satisfy that need. So network and listen. It's very important for you to become a successful real estate investor If you listen and network.
2: Great advice. Luis, are you ready for the best ever lightning round?
1: Yes, sir. Let's go.
2: All right, Luis, what's the best ever book you recently read?
1: I'm reading right now Limitless and it's fantastic.
2: And that talks about your mind. Tell me more about that book.
1: Correct. So I'm basically just starting, but it talks about how powerful the mind can be. and We sometimes have limiting beliefs. And these books basically is here to disrupt all of those.
2: Luis, what's the best ever way you like to give back?
1: Give back? Oh, man. I have a doggy, so I like to give back by donating either time or money to dog
2: shelters. And Luis, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you?
1: LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. So just look me up and LinkedIn, Luis D. Villar. Same on Facebook and YouTube, Luis Villar or Hablando Bienes Rices.
2: Luis, thank you so much for your time today, talking to us about how you started out as an engineer, started house hacking, now moving up to multifamily syndication, raising capital, building a great company, and finding some great deals. Thank you for sharing all of that with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Best ever listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best-ever day.